This is a reading from the prophet Isaiah, 61st chapter. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and tend your flocks. Foreigners shall be your plowmen and vine dressers. But you shall be called the priests of the Lord. They shall speak of you as the ministers of our God. You shall eat the wealth of the nations, and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, there shall be a double portion. Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in their lot. Therefore, in their land they shall possess a double portion. They shall have everlasting joy. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrong. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their offspring shall be known among the nations and their descendants in the midst of the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge them, that they are an offspring the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its sprouts, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. This is the word of the Lord. Um, I have very many, many stories from my recent trip to Israel. But one, one of the ancient sites that we got a chance to go to there was a place called Megiddo, which is mentioned in the Old Testament and again in Revelation. In Greek, it is known in a more familiar way to you probably, Armageddon. Now, Armageddon is a place where we walked through just the, the ruins of what was once a very strong, fortified city. It had great walls and huge gates and it was located in this strategic place near in the northern part of Israel, near, near Mount Carmel. And it was, it was a major trading and travel route. And so it was a very strategic place for people to be able to gather supplies and rest and pass through these mountains. Well, we learned the history of Megiddo. It has actually been torn down and devastated and destroyed more than 25 times throughout history. I mean, the Hebrews, the Egyptians, the Assyrians, the Greeks, the Romans, you name it, they've come through there and wiped out whoever was there, burned it to the ground, and then rebuilt it again, 25 times. And we walked among these ruins and felt the stones. And... But there, there was an interesting video that we watched right before we sat in this dark room and watched a 1970s film clip describing Megiddo and 
the narrator used this phrase about this place, Armageddon. Um, He called it a place of hope through all the centuries. And it was a stark, dark kind of way to describe this place. What is hopeful about this place? So much blood has been shed here. War has happened here. People have been driven away and become homeless here. What a strange way to describe it. Isaiah 61, it brings a huge promise. And it's a promise that the the ancient ruins that have been torn down will be brought up. That the devastations will become repaired. That what was broken will be made whole. And I remember thinking there at Armageddon and Megiddo, how much our world is constantly in ruins. And we rarely notice. It could be jobs, marriages, childhoods, schools, neighborhoods, economic justice, relationships, even our own lives. And for Israel, when Jerusalem was sacked in 586 B.C., as Isaiah had prophesied, God's people, they knew they were in trouble. Their faith was in tatters like the ruins of the walls of their city. Once the proud city of David, the temple of God's very presence was lost. They were undone and they knew it. But they had the promises of the prophets. And Isaiah 61 is one of those that they clung to. Promise of restoration and renewed hope. Just as verse 4 says, They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. God is about repairing and reclaiming what was lost and broken. And He does this with many signs and indications. And one of the signs of hope among the ruins is the good news that God loves sinners. It's good news for the poor, in other words. It's good news for those who are in bondage. It's good news for those who are mourning. It's good news for those who are shamed. And who are the poor? Certainly it's the material for poor, the those who are less fortunate, the forgotten and the ignored, the marginalized. It's also more than that. It's those who struggle, because those who struggle to make ends meet, they are often more aware of their need for saving, aren't they? Than those like us, who basically have our material needs met. Scripture does often use the word poor to describe those who are too broken from life, who have lost heart to try. Those who are bound up in various kinds of addictions that make release seem like a cruel mirage. Those who think that they won't experience the Lord's favor or live to see the vengeance of God on those who have wronged them and mistreated them. Those who think their lives are just full of ashes and despair. The good news, though, is that the poor are not forgotten. Not by a long shot. The poor are very close to God's heart. Jesus himself said he came not for the righteous, but for the sinners. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but it's the sick. 
The good news of the gospel is that it's for the poor, and it's also it's for people like you and me. People who work and love and grow and struggle and stress. People with insecurities and fears and hopes and dreams. People caught in the frenetic current of, secret, of acquisition of security and money and power and love, but who secretly know these things don't ultimately hold the meaning that we're trying to crave. You are set apart as special by the Lord. In fact, he has a title for you. You are a kingdom of priests. You're priests. Moses at Mount Sinai first announced that word to his people. You are a kingdom of priests, a holy nation unto me. And Isaiah echoes that in verse 6. But you shall be called priests of the Lord. You have a vocation here and now, Red Mountain Church. You get to stand between the already of what Jesus has accomplished and the not yet of what we're longing to see redeemed. Um, You get to stand between the crumbling, gnarled stone of the ancient ruins and the renewed, glorious, rebuilt promise of what is to come. You're called to be salt and lights, agents of rebuilding and renewal, signs of hope even amid the ashes and the decay. Now this priesthood, it's not a new command or a burden to undertake. It's actually just a good and necessary consequence of the Jesus' own ministry. Because the gospel, it's always enlarging, it's always widening, it's always going out in greater, more powerful ways. Baptism, as we just saw, it is offered to all, not just to the like circumcision in the old covenant to males. It is offered to all in God's family. The light which came through Christ was not only for the lost sheep of Israel, but it's to go to the Gentiles. Jesus sent his disciples not only to Jerusalem and Judea, but to the ends of the earth. The gospel is meant to penetrate every nook and cranny. And so it is for the beautiful and the powerful, as well as for the unlovely and the insignificant. It's for the exceptional, as well as the ordinary and mundane. It's for the haves, as well as the have-nots. And you are empowered by the Holy Spirit. He will accomplish through you His good purpose. I love the Frederick Buechner quote, He put it this way, your whole life is holy and full of meaning, or it's meaningless. Your life is holy and full of meaning. And so the gospel, friends, it shows us that each of our lives is brimming with holy purpose. We're being invited by Isaiah 61 to realize and live into and lean into the design for which we were made. So follow your Savior in this holy adventure of priesthood that you've already set out on because he promises that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Christ. You're a priest, but you have an identity that may sound familiar, but let us not forget the power of this. 
God's people are identified as righteous in this passage three different times. We're called oaks of righteousness. Strong, deep-rooted trees of righteousness. It's interesting that that word shows up here. uh, Because he's talking about you and about me. He's talking about his people. And it may be hard for us to get our minds around that when you're looking in the mirror each day and the face seems to betray that title. There's so much left undone. Think of the compromises, the disappointments, the unhealthy habits, the unsettledness in your own heart, the restlessness of your soul. Seems like a contradiction at points. But it's the truest thing about you when you are in Christ, when you are found in Him. You are righteous. You are complete in Christ. I had this moment, and Ed Hurley from South Island Perez, he was on this trip to Israel with me, and he's here tonight, and I appreciate him coming. Um, We we were up at the Mount of Beatitudes. There, There are ten pastors together, and we, we shared a special time of the Eucharist there um, and just taking in the blessed are statements of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Then we began a meandering journey down the mountain to the Sea of Galilee, to the shores there. And while we were walking, it took about 45 minutes or so, and a light rain started to fall. Then it got a little bit heavier, and then it was a deluge of water, and we were not prepared, and we kind of scattered. Some tried to get down the mountain faster. A couple of us broke off and sought shelter under some trees, trying to wait for it to pass, and I was part of that group, and when, when it seemed like it had let up a little bit, we went ahead and tried to start back out again. Only we discovered the, the dirt there turned into mud, and it was a very sticky and slippery kind of mud on this hill, and there we were, you know, these, we must have looked so silly, we just started almost skating and skiing and tripping and falling and busting on our pants and um, getting mud all over us, but we somehow, we all managed to kind of scamper down the hill and then hold out each other's hands to help ourselves over these craggy rocks down at the base of it and you know we all had a really good laugh at that this experience Um, I thought of that moment thinking about life at Red Mountain Church it's a lot like our life together here we can go from very deeply meaningful connection to running for shelter every man for himself like that And then we end up looking like a muddy mess at the bottom of the hill as we're unable to get our feet under us. Because the truth is, being human means we will become acquainted with our inadequacies and our selfishness and even our disordered desires. But let us not lose perspective that we are a family and we belong to one another and to God. In the end, we will all laugh at the journey that each of us took And how limited and self-absorbed our perspective really was. You are righteous because God says so. 
you are righteous, because that's why Paul can address churches he wrote to as saints. And these churches were a mess. That's why the Lord calls you His beloved. That's why Jesus calls you friend. That's why the psalmist calls us the redeemed. You are loved because God loves you, not because you've earned it or made right choices, not because you believed correctly or have intrinsic qualities. God loves you because He set His affection on you. Much like baptism, you are receiving His love and mercy on you. Live into that reality more and more. Now this passage begins, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me. Jesus kicked off His ministry after His temptation. He went into His hometown of Nazareth. And he went into the synagogue on the day of worship and they handed him the scroll of the prophet Isaiah and he unrolled it and he read this passage. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and opening of prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That kicked off his ministry and that encapsulated the ministry of Jesus. It was marked by healing and freedom and peace by taking the broken and restoring hope. And we know Jesus was faithful to His Word even till the end, crushing death and sin and Satan beneath His feet as He died the agonizing death our sin deserved in our place. He made us righteous. He made us priests. He rose victoriously from the dead and He will come again in power and glory. And that is our hope, and we stand in that gap, continuing to proclaim this message of freedom for those who are broken and lost, of healing for those who have been harmed, of of goodness and hope for those who have ashes. This is the proclamation of the gospel. Hold fast to that and continue to remind one another in moments of weakness and weariness, in times when it doesn't feel particularly true for you. Lean on somebody so that they can carry you through. In Red Mountain Church, I pray that you will more and more grow into this beautiful bride that Christ has made you to be. You are adorned with many jewels. I see many jewels as I look out into this congregation. You are lovely, and you are a mess. You are the very real and caring collection of individuals who are willing to grapple with and struggle with what it means to need and participate in community. And I pray that you will never lose the approachability and the come-as-you-are ethos. Continue to be open-handed. Your desire to care for those in crisis without thought of reciprocation, without obligating and expecting... In that, continue to create space for the marginalized, for the burned out, for the struggling. And hold those bandages metaphorically. Those bandages that the Lord has used to bind up your own brokenheartedness and extend them to others that they might find healing and rest and replenishment. This good news is for you. Continue to relive that, reenact that. That's what we do in worship every Sunday. 
we're reminding ourselves of the gospel and we're tasting and seeing the Lord's goodness to us in the Eucharist. This gospel is for you, but it's also it's for Lakeview. It's why Red Mountain Church is here. It's for Birmingham. Offering death and resurrection as our small individual stories come into a collective larger story here in this place. There is a desperate need in this neighborhood and surrounding areas of Birmingham for a willing and an available group of people to welcome those who think God isn't for them. That church is just for those who have something they can bring to the table. May the God who repairs and rebuilds ruins, who calls you a kingdom of priests, who calls you the righteous, may He continue to speak His benediction over you. And may the blessing of that good news put you in the vulnerable place of sharing His benediction with those whom He puts in your path. I pray you will catch glimpses along the way of how the Lord is growing in your midst. For as the earth brings forth its sprouts, and as the garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up among all nations. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, may it be so.